It's Inside the World of Duotone, the podcast where we go behind the scenes in the brand of Duotone and beyond. Today, we're speaking to new team rider, Ross Dillon Player, all the way from Cape Town, South Africa. Big air rider, Ross, has been in the scene for many years. At only 24, he's traveled the world, ridden for different brands, taken part in photo shoots, and of course, been competing at a very high level. His portfolio in competition includes many appearances at the Red Bull King of the Air, winning the 2019 Red Bull Megaloop in the Netherlands, and the 2021 Big Air Kite League event in Cape Town. Thank you for joining us today, Ross. Yeah, thanks so much, Leo. Thanks for having me. No problem. So let's go straight into this with a, with a great question for you and for everybody listening so we can tell them who is Ross Dillon player uh, in your own words? Yeah, so uh, basically from the beginning, I, uh, I'm obviously a professional kiteboarder and I've lived in Cape Town, South Africa my whole life. Um, and yeah, basically, I would say I'm just uh, a guy who enjoys kiting on the water and having a lot of fun and trying to, to do the best in whatever I'm doing, whether it be on the water or off the water. Thank you for that. And uh, as been, you know, as growing up and being in Cape Town, a place where so many people come to visit, all the top riders come, um, there's the big competition, the Red Bull King of the Air. Has that been, uh, has that been good for you being a, a South African, you know, that lives in Cape Town growing up and aspiring to be a professional kiteboarder? Yeah, I think so. I definitely think growing up in Cape Town had a massive role to play in my in the success I've had in my career. Um, especially, like you say, with with all the pros coming down and, and a lot of people coming to Cape Town and and seeing it as a, a hub for big day kiteboarding. Um, and it's interesting. I think. I mean, you all know as well from from competing and from riding in different places in the world. Cape Town's very unique and it's very strong and pretty hectic and intimidating conditions. So for me, that's all I've known. And I've come from this from a young age. And for me, it's kind of normal conditions. So I think having that little bit of an upper hand in, in the extreme and more intense conditions has really helped me throughout my career. And you've just joined Durotone, which is big for you. You know, like I said, you're only 24, but you've got a lot of experience working with brands, traveling, and in some ways now, just 24 puts you sort of middle, middle-aged, I guess, with all of the younger riders, some being 15, 16. I, I really want to know this burning question. Why have you joined with Durotone now in this stage of your career? Basically, for me, it, it's pretty obvious that... Um, Duotone is the leading brand and, and has the leading kites in the industry. I think all of us as riders have seen this and have realized this. So um, it was always a thing of, I kind of always wanted to try the kite and, and I never really got the opportunity to. And then Simon from the brand stable organized me a nine meter D-Lab uh, or Evo D-Lab to try. And the second I flew that kite and started training on it, I was just hooked straight away and my, my riding started progressing everything just started getting better um and when i got the opportunity to join dear turn it was it wasn't even a question i i kind of just said yes straight away um and yeah i've had a pretty good relationship with the dear turn team from i'd say 2019 we already started kind of chatting back then and it never things never really lined up and to to have them line up the way they did now it's is awesome and i couldn't be more happy to be joining the team i think that's an interesting 
thing you've said there about that you uh, and, and other riders look at what equipment the, uh, the the best riders in the competition are using, and that that's a factor uh, in your decision. And and in this case, it, it's very much that you just as much as Duotone have come to you, you've you've gone to them, you seeked out using the kite as well. And I don't think many people know that's going on so much that riders really are looking for that extra advantage you know with height with all these competitions height is such a clear thing and and the kite which goes the highest is obviously gonna gonna help you perform better but you actively went to have a go on this kite and this must have been sort of during a period in between brands you were with and you felt Com- compelled to, to to go after a role with Duotone, you said because of the feelings that you had when you flew that kite. I mean, what were what what were those feelings that you, you felt? Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's quite funny because on the water, or not even on the water, off the water. Ever since I started flying Duotone, so many of my friends who are with other brands, they're all just begging me to try the kite because there's such a hype around it and. and Everyone knows how good this kite really is. So everyone's kind of super excited to try, just experience it and feel it. And for me, when when I first got on the kite, it wasn't kind of like I got on the kite and oh, I was going higher and and maybe a little bit further. It was everything was better um, from just the performance of the kite to my overall riding. It was incredible how everything just started working better. I started doing my tricks a lot smoother. I started going higher and going further and doing more rotations. And from a a looping and board off side of things, it just, my riding progressed so much in that first month on the kite that it it just blew my mind. And um, it was really, it wasn't like it was a little bit better. It was, it was a step ahead of, of everything else I've tried and ridden in the past. And I was hooked straight away. It was kind of, it was a no-brainer to to not try to ride this kite. So you mentioned that the the guys down at the brand stable were very uh, influential in your um, coming together with Duotone, and we're going to move on a little bit more to discuss sort of the challenges of being a South African, and you know we haven't had a big air rider or a, a, you know a major rider from. South Africa with Duotone for some time, if not ever, but that they were a key reason to to join for you because I know you have a relationship with them. They are Duotone South Africa for everybody listening. You must visit their store in Bloberg. They've got absolutely everything. Simon and the team down there are just wonderful, especially with, with how they help us internationally when we come over here for the season. But that was key for you that you had that support from those guys in that store. But Let's move straight on to that question, you know, because it is widely known that it's hard to progress as a professional kite surfer being based in South Africa. But we are seeing more and more young people coming through the ranks nowadays. I'm interested, Ross, to know what you've found to be challenging on on your journey to to becoming a professional kiteboarder being based in South Africa. Yeah, so um just taking it back to that first part there regarding the brand stable and Simon. Um, I really, I don't think any of this would have been possible without them first of all. So I, I really owe them a massive thanks. And, and Simon's such an amazing guy. Um, and he's really gone out of his way to, to push for me and to help make the saw a reality. Um, 
and yeah, like you say, their their shop in Cape Town is definitely worth visiting. It's an amazing shop. It's got everything from Duoto and I and Fanatic. It's seriously a nice shop when you walk in there and all the guys are so friendly and so helpful. And uh, yeah, they've really welcomed me and made me fit at home. Um, and yeah, basically growing up and coming from South Africa, in terms of, uh, of being a pro and, and kind of making it all work, I must say it, it definitely is tough. Um, coming from South Africa and we have so many riders that have so much potential and, and really can make it big on the international scene, but just kind of can't crack the, they just, they kind of can't get to that next level because of the fact that coming from South Africa, it's extremely expensive for us to travel to Europe and travel overseas to the events and the places that we need to be basically just because our currency is obviously very weak, which doesn't help but also the fact that we're so far away from everything. Um, so it, it definitely has its challenges coming from South Africa and, um, and trying to make it on an international scene is, has been hard, but luckily there's been a few of us who kind of have managed to make it work and looking at guys like Jason and Luca, they really have been pushing hard the last few years and, and have made it work for themselves as well. So it's really cool to see that there are more South Africans coming out of it and, and uh, succeeding in the in the international scene. Do you think a brand is more likely to choose a rider in Europe over um, a rider based somewhere as far away as South Africa? Let's let's just imagine they're at the same ability. Do you think that that is the case? Um, so I I think it could go either way. To be honest with you, I think in my case it's gone my way because of the fact that I'm South African. And like you said, there hasn't really been a big air rider for Deer Turn from South Africa. Um, or not necessarily someone who's specialized in big air and competed in, in one event. So I think in my case, it, it helped me a lot being South African. But in in the way it's kind of always been and, and the way it's been when we've negotiated with brands in the past, it generally always seems like brands want one rider from South Africa. So basically, if, if there's someone from South Africa and he wants to join the team it generally always seems like there's always one chance and if there's someone at the team ready it's kind of hard to convince them to get on the brand because they already have a south african rider and and being from south africa obviously has its complications where it's extremely expensive to actually send gear over here and time consuming to send gear over here so for brands it's quite a big investment to invest in south african riders um so it generally has always kind of seen that there's always one space available in, in a way. And um, I think that has probably been the biggest challenge for everyone coming through the ranks like that. It was lovely to hear you talk positively there, Ross, about taking your opportunity and seeing uh, the, the one chance available to you, because quite easily you could have answered that. Um, yeah, you know, they do go with more European riders. I mean, that's a fact. The teams are full more of uh, riders that, can cost less to travel and be based around centrally in the world. So as you mentioned, the travel distance and the, the you know, the round not being in your favor could have gone against you, but you've seen the positives of the situation. And I'm really, it's really nice to hear you talk about that, that you saw that there was potentially a chance to be the South African rider on the team and to, to clarify why it's so important for riders to be on the team from South Africa is so much work is done here not as far, not just the competing side of things but the testing is an affair it's one of the most important testing grounds in the world for, for kite brands 
how a kite flies in South Africa with the strong uh, variations of wind that we get here, the many different spots um, and the, you know, that it can be low wind, high wind is a brilliant place to have. So you must have team riders, if not a team rider on the ground here. So yeah, I'm, I'm stoked that you found um, and engineered your way into, into the role that you have done. Ross, I've, I've for some time, I thought I never imagined this moment would be here that I'm actually here recording with you now as a duotone rider. It's, it's wonderful to, to have got to this stage. So I'm, I'm thinking you're going to have a great future with Duotone and also it's great to hear you're performing so well on the gear already. Talking about the gear, what's your favourite setup right now? You've hinted that you love the D-Lab kite, but what about um, board, bar and line? Certainly line length is something I'd like to know. What's uh, what's your setup overall? Yeah, so the setup has been quite a change, to be honest. So going, if we look at the past, I was always riding 22 metre lines and a 142 board, which nowadays, if you tell people you're riding a 142, they'd probably laugh at you and tell you that you're riding a boat. Yeah, but um, I've always come from that, the shorter lines to be a little bit more extreme and bigger boards that have more power. So I've kind of taken a step back now um, where I'm riding the, the, it's it's all new to me in the pronunciations. I'm not 100% sure exactly, but the Jamie, the one, the 139, um, I think yeah. it's pronounced the Chaima, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But yeah, I'm riding the the one three nine, um, which is amazing. And to be honest with you, I think it's the best board I've ever ridden. Um, I've never been too picky about boards in the past, but when I got on this board straight away, I felt the difference in my landings, my takeoffs, everything just felt so good. Um, so I'm riding the one three nine, and then in terms of kites and lines, I'm riding the D Labs, obviously. Um, on 24 meter lines. So I've made my lines about two meters longer than what I have had for the last probably almost 10 years now, uh, which has been a bit of a change, but there's, there's a lot of pros to it that, that have uh, convinced me to move over to 24s. And uh, in the Evo D-Lab, I would say the eight meters is my favorite size. Um, the nine is incredible. I've been riding it all the time, but the second I hopped on that eighth, I fell in love straight away. It's just such an incredible kite, and the performance you can get out of that eighth is is the next level. Everybody's raving about eight meter. That seems to be the kite that everyone wants to be on out here, and you can get on it um, a lot with the conditions you yeah. have here. At, at twenty four now, Ross, uh, I don't think I've asked you this before, but and I almost feel like I don't think that you have. But have you had any troubles with injuries over the years? Um, touch wood, nothing major. Um, I've definitely had some setbacks along the way and minor injuries, but not, not anything too serious touch wood. Um, I think that's also due to the fact that I'm, I'm quite a conservative rider. Um, and if you look at a lot and, and maybe when I was younger, not so much. Um, but I always kind of had that. I think it was always my dad, to be honest. I think he used to always kind of tell me just to be safe and not to do anything that's, that I'm not comfortable with on the water. Um, and coming from a motocross background, you can't really push it there too much because there, if you do fall, you are going to break something. So I think I had a very conservative uh, career. And every time the wind's a little too gusty for my liking, I won't loop and I won't kind of fall into the, the peer pressure of having all the other pros around you going massive and doing loops. Um, I would rather just play it safe and, and ride a little bit less intense and rather be safe and healthy. So I think with that approach, it's helped me 
get where I am now without too many injuries along the way. I think that's great advice for anybody listening, any kiteboarders, especially on their mega loop journeys, learning how to kite loop the kite. It's so easy to be committed before you've even taken off with those sorts of moves. But knowing when to say no is such a, a skill to have. And the top riders, you will see them pull out of moves right at the last second because of their experience. They just know something doesn't feel right. But the earlier you can... Uh, it, you know, sort of accept those feelings are coming, that the, the better it is. Better to not commit to something, you know, than to commit to it and totally injure yourself. It's so easy to do. We, we had a day just yesterday exactly. out here, which was just like that, Ross, very gusty, 20 to 40 knots. It was that exact sort of day where the experienced rider's thinking, I know these conditions, I know that it's it's likely I could try something that do I need to do this today? It's different in competition. We all know that that you can be pushed to the places that even you surprise yourself under the the pressures of competition. But in and around that, staying fit and healthy is uh is is quite hard with the, the big air discipline. So tell me, do you have a gym routine or any other methods for injury prevention other than your experience, which is uh, your, you know, telling you when or when not to do things? Yeah, definitely. Um, and really just going back to what you said about that session yesterday, it was, I agree, it was probably in, <laughs> the most dangerous wind I've ever kited in Cape Town in my entire <laughs> career, I think. It really was was hectic and um, yesterday was actually the first time I've really felt that I don't know exactly how to say it, but I, long story short, I, I organized the film and we were filming yesterday. And, and in the past, when it, if I've had a film, I would have just Extra ridden pressure. for an hour, an hour and a half. And yeah. Exactly. Um, and I went out and I, I honestly, if, if I wrote for 10 minutes, that's being generous. It was probably under 10 minutes. And I was actually riding with Max from, from the UK and we were going to have a session and, and I just did three or four jumps, couldn't even land a straight jump or a front roll and I just came in and I was like this is not worth it and I just said to my former we need it we're just going to waste our time and then risk injury here so we can that very quickly and I definitely think more guys need to try have that mindset coming forward and especially with these double loops um I've seen so many guys just absolutely ending themselves in Cape Town trying to do doubles um on the wrong days and the wrong conditions and wrong equipment so it's definitely something that hopefully more guys kind of start doing going forward because it's not worth it. The, the wind and the waves are always going to be there, but if you're injured, you're not going to be able to use it. So there's no point in pushing it. Um, yeah, that's. A good and in terms, it. yeah, and in terms of gym and on the side, um, I've actually just started with a new trainer now by who goes by the name of Ruan Retief. Uh, he's based in Cape Town, um, and he's actually started working with a lot of the international guys, like Fields going to him, Zara, Jason's there. Uh, Luke is there um, and quite a few other guys with Tia from America as well so he's an incredible coach incredible trainer he was a professional athlete himself he's a, a um, sports psychologist uh, bio um, and a personal trainer so he's really like the ultimate package to have and uh, he has helped me more than anyone ever has in terms of my body and my overall performance and just being a lot more supple and strong and having a really good gym routine with him has, has helped me so much on the water so I can highly recommend uh, especially the younger guys coming through is to just start getting on in a, in a good program and, and start getting used to gymming younger I wish I started younger but yeah when you're young you, you feel like you don't need it <laughs> Well, if it makes you feel any better, I only really started doing gym at about 33. So 
<laughs> so yeah. I, hope, I hope that makes you feel a bit better. Now you yeah. dropped some, you dropped some names there, not for the first time in this call about um, yeah. some of the riders that you ride with, Luca and Jason. And I mean, there's so many people that I think you mix with, you know, and I think that's been one of your yeah. um, positive things. Uh, values actually ross is that over the years i've you know from all different circles are oh, ross hanging out with this guy that guy people of different ages i know that you've traveled to, on your own to europe many times and stayed with people from different countries of different backgrounds of you know way older people and i think that's really rounded you and your your life skills i think it's really important to hear that now there is also behind the scenes in kiteboarding a very big golf setup as well uh a bit of a golf club we're just going to this is a touchy subject we're going very briefly about the golf that's going on because it is a kite surfing podcast but i want to know uh, i mean the likes of aaron hadlow are playing uh Julian is playing. We have lots of different people playing. Carl Ferreira is playing. You'd be surprised. I want to know who's who's the best and who's the worst out in South Africa, as far as the golf <laughs> group is concerned. You can just go, oh, go for it. Um, oh, I tell you what, playing with with Aaron is always a fun one, um, just because the range of emotions that he goes through from from the first tee till the 18th is incredible and it's an absolute oh, it's just so fun to play with him um but to be honest i haven't played with with all the guys um i kind of i played with ben rootman a lot um he's obviously also in the karting scene and, and to be honest when ben was playing properly i would say he was probably one of the best um he really he just had these days where he would just play so so well um as well as yourself playing with you has been awesome. Um, but yeah, just as far as the best and the worst guys, I, I haven't played in the last year to, to be able to say that. Just I, I'm going to, I'm going to ask, answer that for you. I think that you're one of the best out of here. That's for sure. Like you know, <laughs> just for the, those listeners here, I know we've, we've way gone way off here into golf, but Ross is more than comfortable playing off. But you know, five handicap if he feels like it on the day. So you kind of want to be in a team with him. And your dad's pretty handy as well. It's quite uh I definitely would have said he's one of the best, but he doesn't kite, so I couldn't have said that one. <laughs> uh, now you mentioned also that um you were filming then with Max recently or trying to film at the uh at Dolphin Beach it, it was. Now that gives me a little inkling as to why you might have been filming. You've competed in King of the Air multiple times in the past. Are you keen to get back into the event? Um, yes, I would say that that's, you've hit the nail on the head there. That's exactly why I'm filming um, right now. And a lot of people have been asking me, it's it's obviously signing with Duotone. It's a big brand and it's a competitive brand. So people are already instantly assuming I'm going to be competing and doing World Tour events again. And, and I, I think I'm going to do a couple events this year. Um, I don't think I'm going to push to do the whole tour. Um, for me, it's uh, it's better to focus on a few events than rather than a, a world title right now. Um, but yeah, I think King of the Air is the main goal. I think if if I have had one goal this year with Duoturn in terms of competitions, it's going to be getting back into King of the Air and and not just getting into King of the Air. I've I've done it. I've been in the event a few times in my career and. Um, and I've made it to the quarters and, and that's kind of been, I think I made it to the quarters every year that I've competed. But uh, yeah, I think now that I'm on these kites, I, I want to push further and, and I really, really want to give it my all on 
not just compete, but to do well. I think that's my my goal right now. And you've shown you've got the ability to win events, you know, with the Mega Loop, one of the, if not the biggest kiteboarding event in the world that you went and won in the Netherlands, not on home soil either, which is often associated with South African riders, that they can only do it in South Africa. You proved that's not the case, along with uh, Joshua Emmanuel, who's also won the event in the Netherlands, um, another South African. The Big Air Kite League was another event where, you know, you had Aaron Hadlow in that final. Uh, I believe you had to get through riders such as Gil Blue. Um, and, you know, Stig was in there as well. So you've proven yourself in those events and a good result at King of the Air. I, c- I can see how that would be important for you. Now, this time of year, everybody is visiting South Africa. It's uh, just after Christmas over here now. What what advice would you have switching things up in this podcast now? What advice would you have to any kite surfers visiting Cape Town for the first time in their lives? Look upwind. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a big one. Um, yeah, no, I mean, Honestly, my biggest advice for, for guys coming to Cape Town for the first time and whether you're a seasoned pro, whether you're just an average kiter, just doing it for fun is, I, I would say is don't rush things, is, is kind of take your time and, and really focus on the safety side of things because unfortunately, we've all been chatting about this a lot lately, but equipment has become so good and so easy nowadays. Like, I mean, if you look at kites now compared to when and, and I mean, I, you've been in the sport a lot longer than me. So you've got come back from like the slingshot field days and probably even kites before that, where it was intense. Like you, you had to know what you were doing to ride those day, those kites. Um, and I've kind of, I was lucky enough to be a part of the, I'd say the end of the sea kite generation where you, you kind of had to know what you were doing to fly these things. And um, nowadays equipment's just so easy to use and people can get on a kite and progress so fast, which has its dangers in my opinion, where guys are probably progressing a little bit too fast and they kind of lose that that respect for the sport a little bit and they forget how quickly things can go wrong as well um and i've seen a lot of people come to cape town and get hurt it really is unfortunately a part of cape town because the conditions here are so hectic and so strong and gusty and uh the other side of things is there's so many people on the water and you really have to know your limits and know when to jump and when you can and can't jump um and I, I would really say that's the biggest thing is, is to kind of just be wary of your first few sessions and, and not try to go as big as you can in the beginning because, yeah, it's, it really, it has its risks. I mean, so many guys have been landed on already this year and, and guys have been injured in, in that sense. So, yeah, I, I would say the biggest advice would be take your time and don't rush things because going back to that statement I said earlier, the wind in the wave is always going to be there, but if you're injured, you can't use it. So there's no point in, yeah, in pushing it. There's no worse place to be injured, that's for sure, than being on your dream holiday in Cape Town. You see it so often, someone with a crutches here or some sort of pressure band on their knee or ankle. You know, it's very easy to get carried away. And I think you bring uh, bring up a great point there, Ross, that kites with the, the D-power mainly that's available to you these days, just being able to push the – that doesn't mean the wind isn't there. Once you pull that bar in, the wind and you engage exactly. the wind, it's there. The deep power can give us a, a false sense of security these days. And perhaps that's why in the the older days we were a bit more careful. We could just, there was, you know, not so much deep power. So you were constantly aware 
of what was there. But yeah, taking it easy, perhaps have a session even up the coast in Langerbahn or somewhere chill to get into the swing of things. Often people are coming to South Africa from the Northern Hemisphere after having a bit of a break, certainly in the uh, the frequency of kiteboarding they might be used to in warmer summers. It's winter time up there, so people maybe haven't kited for a long time. It's the first time you kite, and definitely even on my own list when I come here is to stay healthy. First two weeks, don't get injured. It's one of the most difficult things to do, especially mm. with big air and strong wind being available to you. So some great advice there for that, Ross. Thank you. So I'm, I'm after some more advice now from you. Um, yeah. I want I want to know if you have any words for young aspiring riders, South African young riders, you know, under 15, maybe eight, nine, 10, 11, that, that are pretty good. Maybe even the parents have recognized that they're good riders. They might have, have something. What advice would you have for them? Yeah, I uh, definitely for, for the South African riders, I think the biggest thing is to, to, I think I'd honestly say speak to the more advanced guys. And when I was younger, for me, it would, those guys were, initially it was Andres Faree. I used to do a lot of coaching and training with him. Um, and then obviously yourself. And uh, I, I really would say reaching out to the local pros. And, and a lot of the times, like as South Africans, we're very, we're very passionate people and we like helping South Africans. It's kind of just how our culture is. And I can almost guarantee if, if you're a young aspiring rider and you've got your head screwed on and, and you reach out to pros, they're often going to help you out and, and be willing to kind of show you the way and, and take you under their wing essentially. But again, I, I would say that whole thing as being a young up and coming rider is to, to not, I mean, if I look at myself when I was coming up, I used to always say, I want to be a pro and I want to do this and I want to do that. And people straight up used to just laugh at me. And these were all the kids that kind of uh, were doing well at the time. And I wasn't the best kid growing up. I really was your, your average rider who couldn't really do much. And uh, I just used to use that as my motivation and, and kind of, to push through those events and there's always there's going to be a lot of hard times coming up and and trying to make it in the scene but i think going again going back to what i said earlier it's, it's just time in the sports and respecting the sport and if you put in the time and the effort and you're humble about everything you're going to go far if you think you're the best and you're arrogant and you try rush things it's not going to really work out too well for you nice nice word so lastly we just move on to a bit about perhaps your schedule which i imagine is going to be mostly here for the upcoming weeks and months actually with the season in full swing but um what have you got planned for this year perhaps yeah so um i'm up going to be here until the end of march um basically just training and trying to form for king of the air and then uh i so long story short, last year, I uh, I was actually in America, in Colorado, studying and uh, busy doing my pilot's license. Um, so I'm actually going to head back to America straight after Cape Town to go finish that up. Um, I have a couple more things I need to do. Um, and once that's done, while I'm in the US, I'm actually thinking of heading to Cape Hatteras. Um, that's kind of been a dream location for me ever since I was a little kid. So I thought, look, maybe now's the time. And I actually spoke to Aaron about it the other day. The maybe even putting some boots back on my board and hitting some rails and, and doing some some more old school stuff. Um, it'll be a quite a dream come true to do that. And then, yeah, from there, hopefully make a pit stop in Hawaii again while I'm in the US and go visit some of my old friends there and, and just kind of train. And from there, back to Europe and Tarifa and, and 
basically wherever the wind takes me i think that's the biggest thing we always kind of have an idea of what we want to do but it's crazy how your plans change as a kite and how how quickly things can change and where you go that is the story of our sport reacting and being in the right place ross thanks so much for joining us on the podcast it's been a pleasure talking to you yeah thank you so much for having me lou um really appreciate it